Welcome to Tale of Two Sisters, a horror podcast hosted by two sisters with an affinity for the macabre. I'm your host, Vanna. And I'm Thorne. And we wanted to just start this episode thanking you for listening. If you have listened to our last few episodes, um, this is definitely a learning journey. Podcasting is hard. But um, let's get into this week's theme. So as previously mentioned, this month's theme is Sisters to honor the debut of this sisterly podcast, which, um, by the way, if you didn't know, or I don't know if I told you this, but like lots of people think it's super cool that like I have a podcast with my sister. <laughs> like, I think I just wanted to take a sec to say that I think it's like cool that that's something we can bond over. I've had people assume that we're not actually sisters, which I think is funny because I think we look and sound alike. <laughs> like, but people were like, is that really your sister or is it like a gimmick? And I'm like, well, this gimmick's been going on a long time. If it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I think it's super cool. And, um, while I often traumatize our parents, I do think it's cool that sitting down over a movie is something that, like, the whole family bonds over, especially when it's films like X or Pearl or Scream or Train to Busan or even the film that we're going to be covering today, which is Raw. So Raw is a 2016 coming-of-age horror drama film directed and written by Julia DeCourneau, which is one of my favorite directors. Um, And this film follows Justine, a young veterinary student, and as Justine navigates harsh professors and even harsher hazing rituals, she consumes meat for the first time after living her life as a vegetarian. Justine develops a deepening craving for meat, and through this journey, she unravels the meanings of human connection, sisterhood, and identity. So, with all that said, um, spoiler alert again at the top of this episode, spoiler alerts for every, every film we cover, but this film explores cannibalism, so I just wanted to kind of touch on like some some of the themes in this film or some of the ways this film is kind of categorized. Um, so it's often thought to emulate the new French extremity movement, which I don't know if you're familiar with new no. French extremity. I know we've watched another one together, um, Martyrs. Yeah. So um, I don't necessarily classify this as new French extremity, but there is an extreme element to her films mm-hmm. and like you know the taboos of cannibalism and stuff like that are like pretty prevalent in new french extremity um this film definitely calls back to themes like that we see in films like trouble every day and in my skin um new french extremity is also often referred to as cinema du corps or cinema of the body and du corneau is certainly candid about her like body horror inspirations from cronenberg um but just to give like a concrete definition of new french extremity um this is from i started reading the book about new french extremity by alexandra west um And she points to a definition that says, uh, cinema profoundly centered in the body, uh, dwelling on its visceral aspects of corporeal acts from body crimes to self mutilation. 
often savage behaviors derived from unchecked sexual and carnal desires. Um, and even though, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily classify this as New French Extremity because, like, that's technically like a film movement of the early 2000s in France, um, that definition certainly applies to <laughs> this film. Um, but um, another thing I wanted to kind of point out, which we will definitely get into later, is that cannibalism, like, often has a lot of connections to either, like, capitalism or, like, female desire in a way. Like, we kind of see, like, you know, like, in that definition, like, sexual and carnal desires. Um, but we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. With all that said, let's, uh, get into this movie. So this film starts off with someone who we will later find out is our main character's sister, seen jumping in front of a car, causing a car accident, and then we get our title card, and then we jump to a family eating in a cafeteria with, like, super rude lunch ladies, <laughs> I might add. Um, but Justine, our protagonist, finds a meatball in her mashed potatoes, and after spitting it out, her mother angrily ventures off to complain, enraged that their vegetarian family was accidentally given meat. Um, so this is, like, one of the only scenes we get with the parents. So, like, those scenes, because they're, like, very few, I think, are really important for understanding the family dynamic, mm -hmm. which in a way foreshadows what's revealed at the end of the film. Like, the mother is super upset, and the dad is just like, do you want my plate? <laughs> like, he's very, um, passive. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you took note of that as well. I, yeah, I honestly just thought it was because the mother was vegan or vegetarian, forcing it on her children, and the dad was just like, I mean, yeah, I'm a vegetarian because my wife is, but, like, I don't care, you know, like, that's just the way I interpreted that scene the first mm. time I saw it, is that I was just like, that's just a normal family dynamic, is the, like, complacent father figure, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, on first watch, when you're not really, like, knowing where the film is gonna go, it's pretty just like, yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah, we're, we're vegans, like, that's pretty messed up to give <laughs> us meat. Yeah, but, yeah, I think, um, it's especially telling... On this rewatch, if you really examine all the scenes with, like, mm -hmm. the parents in them. But after this scene, uh, Justine is dropped off at veterinary school. We get, like, our first mention of Justine's sister, Alexia, who doesn't show to meet them there. Um, and we also, like, get hints that the parents attended the school, which it will definitely come up later. And on this first night, the endless hazing begins which the hazing in this movie is so dramatic. I don't know. Like, I know this happens. Like, I was going to say the hazing is the true horror of this film. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I know there's like laws in place now against hazing, but I know things still like go on. Like when I was in college, um, someone who actually lived at the same apartment complex that I lived and worked at uh, passed away related to hazing. Oh my God. So... So I know it's still pretty, like, serious, but it's still so jarring to, like, see it like, yeah, when I, I watch this movie. Especially because Justine wants no part of it. It makes me very frustrated watching the film because mm -hmm. I'm just in there, like, just don't participate. 
Just lock your door. Just lock your door and go to bed. Which I know is not realistic, but that's just all I can think about when I'm watching it is that it's, I'm like, dude, everyone at school would hate me. I'd be that little tattletale locking my door and calling the police every time someone tries to bother me. I don't care if you hate me. I do not participate in abuse and torture and harassment because I do not consent to hazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also we meet Adrian, uh, Justine's roommate. And when we meet him, like, due to the hazing and stuff, she complains that she asked for a girl, and he replies, like, that they gave you a queer instead. He says a different word, but I'm gonna say queer. And, um, I think this is, like, important, because I think sexuality is very intertwined with this film, and, like, we see more instances where Adrian's sexuality is, like, the subject of discussion and, like, sexuality, queerness masculinity specifically are themes like I see in DeCorno's other film, Teton, which I don't think you've seen yet, yet. but, um, so I'd be interested to see just, like, if that's something that, like, continues throughout her work. Like, she's only done two feature-length films so far, but, um, I just thought it was, it's interesting. And also interesting to note that the characters, the main characters we see in this film, Justine, Alexia, and Adrian, those three names appear in Teton as well. Oh. So I have a lot of, like, things I've been thinking about, like, trying to trace if there are thematic elements, like, associated with the characters of mm-hmm. each name. Like, if mm-hmm. there's parallels between them or not. But that's that'll be subject for whenever we cover Teton in the yeah. future. <laughs> um... But after this, um, there is a brief partying scene with amazing bisexual lighting. Um, and we see our first instance of sister bonding. Like, Justine and Alexia are looking at pictures of, like, the previous classes. Like, they're in, like, a weird, like, basement kind of area. And they, like, find their parents' class photo. Um, and we meet Alexia's dog. And something I noticed, like, after this scene, all the students are made to walk back on all fours, like, positioning the human body in, like, an animalistic form, which is obviously a motif throughout the film. I honestly don't remember that, and I just watched it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, the beginning, like, the, I don't know, there's, there's, like, a really brief section where, like, everyone's walking on all fours. It's, like, it's a weird little cutscene, but, mm. but anyways. Um, then we jump to our first veterinary class, and there's, like, a demonstration preparing a horse for like an operation which fun fact like is an actual um that's actual like veterinary staff like that horse had something scheduled that day and um decorno like got permission to film uh the procedure and just put her like actors in yeah at first when i was watching that scene i was thinking to myself like wow what a good actor horse and because, you know, I know horses pretend to lie down and pretend to die and all these things. So I was yeah. like, oh, what a good horse. Look at it go down. And then she grabbed its tongue and put a feeding tube down its throat. And I was mm-hmm. like, how do you do that? So I looked it up <laughs> and I guess it was just like coincidence that they were able to film. And the vets were like, we have one happening today if you want to come in. So it's kind of fun watching the actors' reactions to some of the scenes. Because yeah. most of them do a good job when they're actually on camera. But every now and then I'll see them be like, oh. <laughs> Which I guess, you know, if they are, like, freshmen, maybe this is their first time seeing someone. So, like, still oh, checks yeah, out yeah. within it the It still film. works with the character. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think the setting of this film, like, the fact that it's 
in a vet school is really central to like the subject of cannibalism like it immediately made me think of texas chainsaw massacre like the way they discuss animals and the way the bodies of these animals are on display like it makes sense for the context of a vet school but reminds me of the same like discussion of like slaughterhouses and texas chainsaw like the way the human body is treated in the same way that it's like equated to cattle like i see it yeah because in this movie they have a scene where they talk about the sexual assault of monkeys. Yes, I have some yeah. notes on that one later. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I think um, she's actually stated that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the first films she remembers watching. Um, and there's like very deliberate homages to Texas Chainsaw Massacre scattered. Um, like in the scene that was just before this, like when they're looking at the class photos, there's like you know, specimens and formaldehyde and mm-hmm. things like that. It's, like, meant to kind of mimic the weird Sawyer house stuff. But um, but also along the lines of the real sedation of the horse, um, she, like, talks about how, like, the body is a body. Um, and, like, speaking on, like, the human condition and, like, that something as majestic as a horse is at the mercy of its body. And kind of, like, juxtaposing that with, like, even though we are humans and we are considered, like, above animal, quote-unquote, like, we are also just at the mercy of our own body. So, that's interesting. I'll, like, this kind of theme keeps coming back up, but, like, I immediately thought of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, the way, like, they kind of talk about, like, the slaughterhouses and treating the way they just talk about the body, whether it's an animal body or a human body, but... Yeah, which I also get asked a lot about how I feel watching, like, animal death and watching animal stuff because I'm vegan and, like, how I feel about cannibalism. Like, this happens all the time. Like, people ask me that question all the time. And I feel like I almost like it more because I'm vegan, like, because of, like, the really interesting conversation that's being had, like, breaking down the barriers between animal and human and like later like you kind of mentioned Justine brings up some stuff that has to do with like animal rights and things but anyways I just thought I'd point that out like I get asked about that kind of stuff all the time because I'm vegan like people think I'm like extra sensitive but it's like the opposite (laughs) like (laughs) but anyways after this class like there is another hazing ritual like the blood is dumped Mm-hmm. On all of the students, which Very Carrie. reminds me of Carrie. Yeah, <laughs> that was my note too. Um, and then they all line up to eat the rabbit kidneys. Justine obviously declines at first due to being vegetarian. Um, and then this is when we learn that her sister did it. Like she assumes that her sister would vouch for her, like that their family doesn't eat meat, but she's like, I did it, you have to do it too. Like, and I think it's important to note that this means that the parents most likely engaged in this yeah they would have had ritual, to do that which is interesting to think about <laughs> weird that they didn't warn her about the hazing like if mm-hmm. they didn't want her to eat meat they should have explicitly said something like hey in the hazing don't participate you know yeah i have thoughts about that later at the wrap-up of this movie but um after eating the rabbit kidney as much as she can manage 
We jump to another scene where Adrian's sexuality comes into play. Um, they are discussing the ethics of fucking monkeys. <laughs> um, uh, if monkeys can get AIDS or like the, the theories, conspiracy theories about how AIDS came to be. And obviously Adrian's a little turned off by the convo. He's like any, like, like any normal person I think would be like, um, why are we talking about this? It felt very deliberate and a little homophobic that the guy literally sat down mm-hmm. to Adrian to talk about this and starts going, well, like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. they, is it wrong to give monkeys AIDS now? Like, yeah, he's yeah. like, why would I, why would I do that? Yeah. He like takes particular offense, like. He's like, why are we talking about this? And he's like, is it because I fuck monkeys or have AIDS? Like, so he's very obviously, like, connecting the fact that this conversation is, uh, charged. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, like, almost like a microaggression. Like, do you think it's okay to, like, talk about this because you know I'm gay? Like, I don't know. It's... Yeah. But, um, but Justine also chimes in, which ignites, like, the topic of animal rape specifically, like, insistent that animals have rights, like, the the use of the word rape specifically to, like, invoke the, you know, like, the consent yeah. is, like, what they're kind of, like, debating, um, which is very in line for someone who is raised vegetarian, um, but also, like, they're in vet school, so, like, That's... wouldn't you think there are people who, like, care about animals? <laughs> that scene was also so weird to watch because everyone was, like, looking at her like she was crazy for saying, like well, yeah, you you can rape an animal because yeah. they don't consent to it. And then, like, the Adrian says some pretty not great things as well about, like, well, if you, yeah, if you we, rape it, a monkey, then it's not going to get anorexia or go see a therapist, which yeah. I think also Justine at that point is also like, because animals don't have access to them. Yeah. <laughs> like, she she literally was like, monkeys see themselves in the mirror. They They will experience trauma like a woman would. And then another girl chimes in and goes, oh, so, you know, raping a woman is the same as raping a monkey? And she's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone took it completely the wrong way. But at the same time, I also acknowledge that this conversation partially, if you take it the wrong way of, like, she sees humans as animals mm-hmm. and then she eats them later. It's like, I could see it taken that way, but also I don't disagree with her. I think animals do have rights and shouldn't be abused and hurt you know and that's all she meant she wasn't saying a woman's a monkey she was saying a monkey is like a person you know it's like yeah she they just inverted what she said yeah like they're implying that there's a level of humanity you know human in the name afforded to humans that's not afforded to animals Mm -hmm. um again something that i think falls in line with what like texas chainsaw massacre is kind of doing and justine is very specifically here to like, she's very in tune with, like, dismantling the separation of human from animal. Yeah. Um, which, again, I would assume that people in vet school would be a little more <laughs> in tune to that. But I think that's, like, another maybe aspect of the conversation as a whole. Like, Yeah. But obviously there's people in the medical <laughs> field that don't care about human life so i said literally one of the another scene later is a nurse talking about how people wouldn't treat someone because she was fat yeah which i also love that scene just as someone who is fat and feels no shame in that word because it's not a derogatory word Mm -hmm. 
it's she's like there's nothing wrong i could have drawn her blood easily they but they told her she needed to lose weight first and it's like i hate that because i see that discrimination so much in like the medical field especially as someone who's disabled and like gets constantly gaslit by doctors like so i just loved that conversation (laughs) that they had with the nurse yeah so um later um in the night after that day uh, Justine begins, like, scratching, um, appearing to have some sort of reaction to eating the meat, which the scene gets to me because I have a huge problem scratching. I was gonna um, say, my note literally says, I think we both relate to her scratching I hate having a flesh prison. Um, I scratch so much. Actually, like... I also have a skin condition, too, so watching it, I was like, oh no, it makes me think of my flare-ups. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, so, um, yeah, I think one time I tweeted, like... That I was scratching myself like my life was directed by Julia DeCorno. Because <laughs> this is something that comes up in Teton as well. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so I hate having a, a flesh prison. Um, it's interesting because it's almost like the physical embodiment of the transformation that Justine is going on. Uh, like, like going through like Julia DeCorno's films are like considered like cinema of like sensation. Like which mm-hmm. is almost like surrealism where there, there's some things that are happening that are not necessarily literal even though the viewer is seeing it happen it's not necessarily yeah. it's more of like a visual stand-in for like the transformation that's about to occur for her yeah i think i definitely didn't like especially with what you mentioned about the story being about like sexuality a little bit i didn't really realize how much that p- came into play until the second time i watched the movie mm-hmm like, even in the party scene earlier, I didn't even notice there was a girl with her, like, nipples pointing at the camera. Yeah. Just right off screen while the girls are hugging, the sisters are hugging. casual nips, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny that, obviously, I didn't notice that, but now realizing how casual sexuality was thrown out there in this movie, and how certain scenes that we'll talk about later, like, tie into the cannibalism and stuff, mm-hmm. I mostly took this as, like, a very surface level, like about addiction you know the scratching is also symptoms of addiction Mm -hmm. you know the way she literally like starts acting like a kleptomaniac and stuff the movie very much feels like you know cannibalism is an allegory for addiction but then diving in deeper thinking about how it's about sexuality you're talking about her going into this cocoon the scratching isn't just like oh scratching because it's a addiction withdrawal it's scratching because she's, she's like, literally peeling, she's peeling out off, of her cocoon. Peeling off her old self. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting reading. I've never heard anyone, like, point to that as a reading. It's definitely a valid reading. It's to me, um, was the most obvious. Like, I felt like if general public who isn't into artsy films would go, oh, this is obviously about mm-hmm. addiction. But then now that I know, especially knowing about French films, knowing it's more about sexuality, I was like, oh... Oh, I think maybe we will have to do like a new French extremity month. Um, the two films I mentioned earlier, trouble every day. Um, it's like very specifically about a, like two people that have a, um, maybe some sort of like virus or sickness, but they, when they get aroused, they are overcome with like cannibalistic urges in a way. Um, and then in my skin, like she injures herself and then later becomes fixated on like picking at the wound and then Mm. it becomes kind of like a self-harm thing but like she finds like release and like as people are like controlling her life or her boss is getting in on her she like uses that as like a release but but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot like I guess knowing some other films where like 
sexual desires interlaced with the consumption of meat, mm-hmm. which actually I might have to maybe like shout her out in like the show notes. But one of my mutuals on TikTok, she pointed out that she thinks that whenever a man directs a film about cannibalism, it is a commentary on capitalism. And whenever a woman directs a film about cannibalism, it is a commentary on the repression of female desire. And interesting. Very interesting. Obviously, we, there are exceptions to the rule. But maybe we should do a cannibalism episode where we talk about a bunch of different films to compare that theory specifically mm-hmm. because that's something I would love to go off of. Yeah, which, like I said, you know, like with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, talking about the slaughterhouses, there's a very specific brand of like the dying rural areas because of technological advancements, aka capitalism. There's like this form of eating fellow man, like consuming, I think, mm-hmm. like, the specific way that your body based on gender is consumed by the world is, like, then metaphorically why you are consuming meat or human meat in a film. Like, men, the most obvious way they're exploited or consumed by society is their labor, and, like, women, like, not to totally generalize too much, but, like, the most immediate way we are consumed by society is, like, our sexuality or, like, the way we're, like, yeah, Yeah. so interesting. Yeah, it really, I think it, to sum it up, it's the sin of gluttony. The (laughs) sin of gluttony is generally, generalized as either overconsumption in terms of food or overindulgence of sexual desires, Mm -hmm. because, A lot of people always go, oh, well, lust is its own sin, but gluttony usually also lumps that in together, too. So I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll definitely talk a little bit more. I have notes throughout this whole movie that kind of tie that theory together. But, um, but yeah, but then after this scene where she's, like, scratching, she goes to the doctor who prescribes her a cream, um, and she takes those samples of her skin, like, the way she peels her skin off her. (laughs) Um, I also... Note that she, like, specifically asks her if she's sexually active. And, like, I know this is, like, just, like, doctor questions. Like, maybe to rule out whether it's some sort of, like, sexually transmitted um, infection. Um, But I also think it's there specifically so that we hear Justine's answer to, like, confirm that she's naive or quote-unquote virginal um, And things like that. I think it's just, like, another way to, like, pound in that idea that she is, you know, like... Quote-unquote innocent. Yeah. An innocent lamb coming into college. I said the repressed repressed. is the word I'd use. Her mother repressed her from eating meats for some reason, the Mm -hmm. same way some women repress themselves sexually. And, like, now that that's in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I see it throughout the whole film. Yeah, and then this is when the doctor starts talking about the patient. Mm -hmm. She saw the other doctors claim they couldn't find her veins, blah, blah, blah. But... I don't know. It's it's interesting because then she kind of uses it as a way to tell Justine to survive hazing by just appearing average. I don't know. But I also think it's interesting because if we think about, like, this film as, like, coming of age, I think maybe, like, body image and stuff like that is an interesting thing to, like, weave into, like, the pressures of, like, that young women face. So it's yeah. interesting. interesting that she specifically chose to, like, discuss a patient's weight with I her. also thought it was interesting because later there is a scene where Justine is throwing up and another yeah. girl goes 
oh, it's easier when you use two fingers. And mm-hmm. she has kind of chubby cheeks, but it, you, it's clearly thin. Yeah. My first... like, trying to imply that she's, like, a... You know, overweight. obviously yeah. bulimic. And so my first thought when I saw her was, I was like, that could very easily be the girl that was told to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Who now has an eating disorder because she wanted to become average like the nurse said. Yeah. Like, exactly. it's so all right there. There's all this about, like, fitting in, like... Everything that Alexia tells Justine is about, like, trying to help her fit in and, you know, stuff like that. But, um, but after this, we also see Justine reprimanded by an upperclassman for not following the dress code, which is nightclub, which is another detail added to further our understanding of Justine's character as, like, innocent and young because she doesn't own anything that would fit the theme nightclub. So that's why she has to go see her sister to borrow something to wear. Also kind of enforcing again that like the way men and women are seen in society because she specifically says women need to dress sexy. You cannot wear a sequined top. Mm -hmm. Which I just think is an interesting point to go oh nightclub but women have to be objectified. She didn't just say the dress code is sexy to be sexy. She said, no, girls have to dress sexy. And I just thought that was an interesting note, especially because of the discussions of sexuality now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, um, so while Alexia is looking for something for her to wear, Justine is like correcting her homework. Um, and then like poor Justine is like going to break an ankle. Like when she's like walking home in those heels, like, um, I literally was like, why are you doing this girl? I don't care who you are. You, there's no way you're forcing me into these hazing rituals like this. Yeah. <laughs> she almost um, died going up those stairs. Yeah. Which then she also has to pull out her mattress from the pile of mattresses outside the door, which totally grosses me out because I'm like, that's how you get bed bugs, people. <laughs> um, but she also walks in on her roommate hooking up with someone and then she kind of like waits outside in the hallway. Listening. Yeah. So it's like another, like there's like, like scene after scene, like just now is like all pointing to these, this like sexual awakening almost. And also the sexual repression because there are moments where where she's acting guilty about eating meat or wanting to eat meat mm-hmm. when eating meat is socially acceptable you yeah know no I mean? one's gonna think you're weird like for buying meat but because you know that uh, everyone knows you're a vegetarian then it's like the pressure of like keeping up the i don't know like it's like the built-in guilt like the was like guilt or something i was gonna say yeah not even just the part about her being vegetarian and everyone knowing because no one cares if you used to be christian and decided not to or something it's more so about her own, like you said, the Catholic guilt. It's her internalized guilt. Mm-hmm. It's she doesn't want to buy a burger patty because she's ashamed, even though no one else cares. No one around you gives a shit, girl. Justine, you are literally invisible. So why are you stealing a burger patty and putting it in your pocket? Because now the only thing that's standing out is that you got meat juice bleeding out of your pocket. Yeah. So it's just funny because in terms of sexuality, it's like, no one cares if you're sexual. Everyone else is actually thinking you're weird for not being sexual. So now she's being weird by acting repressed sexually instead of just accepting it. You know what I mean? Like, she's being weird because she's sitting outside the door listening to him get a blowjob. Yeah. she th- That's weird. She's weird because she's going and later, like, forcing herself onto people when she's, like, wasted instead of just, like, hooking up with someone. You know, like... It's the way she acts guilty about these things that are totally normal. That is, like, I don't know, it's just very interesting to me. Like, seeing it as, like, her own, like, guilt and her own repulsion. Like, sex repulsion and stuff that, like, 
it, it you know, it just, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's the first time we see her show an interest in eating meat following the, the rad, rabbit kidney. And, like, you know, Adrian sees it happen. He assumes it's, like, about money. Um, but obviously it's about her shame and wanting to try meat. So then Adrian takes her to, like, a truck stop type place to try some food. Um, and, like, on the way there, their bus is slowed by, like, car accident cleanup, um, which I assume is the accident we saw at the beginning of the film. Actually, it's a different car. I noticed that on my rewatch. It's a different car, so it's a separate incident. Okay. So definitely implying that this is, like, something that a recurring theme. So at this truck stop, um, Adrian and Justine are approached by a truck driver, um, which I assume he, like, overheard their, like, little discussion about, like, the fact that they're drinking alcohol and then driving. And I would say this, like, driver, like, essentially sexually harasses Adrian because he's, like, kind of, like, touching him and kind of, like, making weird remarks. Um, yeah, he's, like, putting his hand on his face, rubbing his ear, which is very explicitly, like, a sexual thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's very much, like, it's a truck stop hookup, is what it, that scene felt like, is he was trying to find a truck stop hookup. Yeah, but very, like, predatory in the sense that, like, he is not, like, necessarily someone who identifies as mm-hmm. gay, but that he's going to exploit Adrian's sexuality yeah. for his own desire. But, yeah, but interestingly, even though he's a dirty man, he says something interesting that... Like, he talks about bringing his pig to the school, and he says, pigs are almost like humans. Haven't you learned that yet? Mm-hmm. So I think it's another, like, line that's poking at the, like, you know, line between humans and animals. She's also eating pork shawarma in that moment, too. Mm-hmm. So him saying that humans are like, or pig are like human, it's like she's literally eating pig meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we see almost immediately that this excursion for shawarma did not satisfy Justine, and we see her hunched in front of the mini-fridge biting into raw chicken, which, fun fact, the raw chicken is made out of, like, sugar, like, almost like gummy candy or something. I thought it had an interesting-looking texture, because yeah. obviously I knew it wasn't real chicken. Still gross-looking. Yeah. Um, she said that, like, filming that didn't, like, turn her off to chicken. It turned her off to, like sugar and candies because i'm sure that was probably not fun but yeah so we see her like ramping up now it doesn't even need to be cooked meat you know it's like the next step in trying to satiate that that hunger this was the moment when i was showing this movie to my boyfriend where he goes man i really hope they're cursed or some shit because this is some (laughs) werewolf type shit and (laughs) That's so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. um, but after this, um, we see her being berated by that shitty professor um, who's, like, saying that good students like her scare away good doctors and... It just doesn't make sense to I'd me. rather see your ranking drop than your friends, which is just, like, I don't know, weird? I don't, I don't really know what to make of, of that guy, but... During this, we see her, like, really anxiously eating her hair, um, and then we cut to her coughing up and pulling out tons of hair from her throat, implying that she's been, like, nervously consuming her hair for, like, some time. Long time. Um, and this is when that other girl says, 
uh, two fingers will make it come up faster. Um, I don't know, hair chewing is something, like, I will admit, I think I used to do a little bit. Definitely not, like, in the way that it would ever make its way into my stomach. Yeah, not like, chewing like I'm eating it, but I would, I used to, like, More like nibble. a fidget, yeah, fidget toy or something yeah. like that. Um, or, like, because I do a lot of skin grazing and, like, dermatomania. Like, I, I don't... I do a lot of stimming. Gotta, yeah. We have ADHD. We do a lot of stimming. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, so this is another point where I see that the story kind of, like, has, like I said, not just to do with the human condition, but specifically what it means to be a young woman. You know, like we mentioned earlier with, like, weight and things like that because of what that girl says to her. hmm But after this, we finally see some good sister bonding with Alex and Justine, um, they are on that rooftop and, like, drinking and, like, Alex shows Justine how to, like, pee standing up, which is, like, hilarious. That's one of my favorite scenes because it's so funny. She's like, fuck, I'm pissing on myself. It's so funny to me because I've, I feel like I've lived that scene. Not, like, me teaching someone drunk, but, like, me talking about it to, like, a man. Being like, wait, yeah. girls can pee standing up? I'm like, yeah. yeah, I've peed in a urinal before. Dude, desperate... Times call for desperate measures. You just stand and lean and hope for the best. And he was like, what? So watching that scene, he was like, oh my god, she's just doing it. Like that. Yeah, and I never really thought about it um, much more than, like, bonding. But, like, given that we're talking a lot about, like, repression and, like, coming of age, like, it's also interesting that it's kind of, like, an exploration of the body. Like, having a better connection or yeah. understanding of your own body's ability and, and things like that um throughout the movie you see her sister teaching her how to do things like yeah waxing herself how to pee standing up how yeah. to become a cannibal you know all these things which i uh, when originally when i was t- taking this movie as an allegory for addiction mm-hmm. i thought it was her sister teaching her how to live functionally mm-hmm. as an addict because there are ways where people are like hey you could overindulge or you can just like indulge too much in a way that lets you still be normal in society especially with the whole themes of blending in Mm -hmm. this girl doing bulimia this other girl needing to lose weight and wanting to be average like all these things where i was like oh yeah just about how to be an addict functioning in society without people knowing you're an addict but now i see it also as i don't know you could also take it as sexual addiction too Mm -hmm. if you want to fuse both things you know yeah but um i also like really like wanted to point out like so at the end of this, like, she says, can I sleep over? I don't feel well. And then she, Alexia says, you never feel well, ever. Mm-hmm. And same. <laughs> same. <laughs> um, but I thought that was an interesting comment to make about Justine. But while staying over, Alexia takes it upon herself to start grooming Justine. Yeah. Like, plucking her eyebrows. She's, like, examining her underarms. And then... Attempting to wax her bikini line, which is bizarre to me. Um, this is definitely not something you and I would do. Um, no. Listeners, let us know if you'd wax your sister's bikini line. I don't know. Maybe we're just not close enough sisters. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess not, which is fine with me. But um, I like my boundaries. <laughs> yeah. But I love the visuals here. Like, it's definitely, it's one of those, like, definitely imagery that gets under your skin like watching the skin lift up with the wax because it's stuck and it's like those things in movies with like fingernails and like paper cuts and eyes because it's like something your body can like relate to (laughs) also the amount of times in the scene that they fake you out and make you think that the dog is gonna eat her out yeah that disturbed me like yeah my boyfriend 
thought that that's what was initially happening in the scene. He was like, what is what is happening? And I was like, no, she's trying to no, wax her. She's trying to wax her. The dog's just getting in the way. Yeah. I promise you. <laughs> I know there's a lot of sexuality and a lot of animals and a lot of cannibalism, but this is not a scene about yeah. sexuality with animals. It's not that kind of movie. Um, but in this struggle to uh, wax her bikini line, Alec- Alexia's finger gets cut off by the scissors, which... Um, doesn't totally make sense, but, I, you know, I'm just gonna accept it. I know she kicked her, like, she kicked the scissors, but I'm like, how do you kick the scissors? There must be some real sharp scissors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Justine does call emergency services of some sort, and they instruct her to, like, keep the finger on ice while waiting for them. And then, um, Justine, you know, as the score ramps up, embraces her urge to taste the blood dripping from the finger um and i just love the look she has on her face and like the music coming in um and then she just starts going in she's like biting pieces of the finger off like like it's a chicken wing i think they did such a good good job casting justine because the way i feel like if it was any other actress or any other character like even if it was alexia i wouldn't feel the same way watching her facial reactions in this scene but watching her genuine confusion and stuff like she has really mm-hmm. good facial expressions. Like she she emotes so well facially that like I almost There's, forget like, that she speaks. This childlike wonder of like exploring the world for the first time almost. But but actually, yeah. um, so DeCorno did do a short film before Raw. Um, it's called Junior, mm-hmm. and um, it does star her as well. How um, good. I think technically, like supposed to be almost like a predecessor to uh to raw where like sh- like her skin is peeling off and it ends up being something that like all girls have to do like mm. so it's another coming of age like coming into your own like embracing like confidence things like that so another interesting like i guess thematic through line into corno's work but mm-hmm. um but alexia does come too and like, just the horror on her face as she's, like, witnessing her little sister eat her finger. She's like, oh my god, you're eating my finger. <laughs> and cannibalism has finally, officially entered the building. And um, we cut to the hospital where Justine is waiting for Alexia, and she's with her parents and some weird old man in the waiting room. Um, but uh, Alexia covers for Justine and claims that Quickie... Her dog. Her dog um, ate the finger. Mm-hmm. And after a little classic family bickering, Justine runs outside and attempts to throw up. Um, Using two fingers this time. Yep, she took her advice. <laughs> um, but then she comes back to her dad, like, waiting outside the hospital. Um, her dad explains that Quickie will be put down because an animal that has tasted human flesh isn't safe. If he likes it, he'll bite again. And I think... Uh, you know, there's, that's a little, uh, little nod to, I guess, yeah. what's, what's going to continue happening. Um, but another really funny line he says that I love is, don't have two girls, honey. It's too hard. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> our parents, I'm sure dad especially would agree, <laughs> thinks that all the time. Um, but after returning to school, uh, Alexia takes Justine to a place uh, I assume is near where the other accidents took place, mm-hmm. um, and jumps in front of a car. Alexia seems 
mildly injured, but, you know, she gets up and she starts eating one of the passengers. Um, Justine's obviously a little, like... Freaked like, out. You know, freaked out. <laughs> um, but Alexia's telling Justine that she needs to learn. Um, you know, and this answers the question we might have had at the hospital of why Alexia would cover for Justine eating her finger... Um, why she jumped out in front of cars before in the movie. Yeah. Which, cause we don't necessarily see that it's her, but it, I think now we're supposed to have made the connection. By the time you see them hiding on the side of the road, even like, before oh. she jumps in front of it. Yeah. By that time I was like, oh, that was her at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then, um, we jump back to another vet class and Justine is going to do up Adrian's like scrubs or whatever. And becomes fixated on his neck. She's starting to just stare at him like he's a little snack. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you picked up on this, but I, it, it appears that Justine is dissecting Quickie. Like, is that what we're made to think? Because everyone else has a different kind of animal, but she specifically has a shepherd that looks like Alexia's dog. Yeah, and there is that one scene later that's just like supposed to be ominous, creepy, like dream or something where the sheet just moves off and it reveals Quickie on a morgue table. Yeah. So maybe she was. I, I didn't pick up on to, that. I don't know what to like think of that, but I for on one hand, I would think it would be interesting to almost be like she's dissecting herself in a way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I didn't see quickie there and i highly doubt a teacher would be like yeah you can not use the specimen i had prepared for you and instead bring your dead dog you know because <laughs> well, I, I assume that like the because like it's a functioning hospital that's true too that like that's where they would go because they're obviously very committed to the school yeah the whole family goes there um but yeah i just i thought that was interesting i don't really know what to make of it but yeah but after this um the boys are playing some football, and uh, Justine is again completely fixated on Adrian, <laughs> playing soccer and like they're, you know, shirtless and you know, sports stuff. They get all mad and have to like show off their masculinity. Like you know, he does a thing where he like grabs his crotch and stuff um, to like taunt the other guy, and then mm-hmm. in pure anime fashion, Justine gets a nosebleed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, yeah, and then that's when we get that quick cut to Quickie's body laid on the operating table, um, which, I don't know, like, the fact that it's interlaced with that, like, there's, I don't know. I guess maybe to, um, maybe it's supposed to make us think of what the dad said about I was just thinking an that. animal getting a taste, it's gonna want another, you know, and because Quickie was blamed for that, so now every time we see Justine wanting another taste we see those like yeah images of that, that's what i got out yeah. of it yeah but um after that we see justine in front of the mirror um she's listening to some music and like really feeling herself <laughs> in the mirror um and you know i found out that the song that she's listening to is by a french rap sister duo Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, and they're known for rapping about men in the ways that artists typically rap about women. So, um, you know, it's we just saw Justine, like, oogling at Adrian, like, this, like, objectification of men, like, and treating men as pieces of meat, which is kind of like a subversion of the way we typically 
like think of the way women are treated and things like that so i think it's also interesting because earlier when they talked about how monkeys can see themselves in the mirror Mm -hmm. uh while she is like staring at herself and feeling like sexy and all part of it it also feels like she's not really seeing herself like the way she kisses the mirror and the way she's doing it all i think she's not seeing herself but a like perceived version of herself yeah you know so she's exploring identity a little bit yeah something like that which is what how i take it i think it's kind of some sort of like She's starting, now that the cocoon has come off, she's trying to figure out what her wings are going to look like. She's trying to figure out who she is. But, and then, like, outside of her room, like, Alexia's just, like, playing games with Adrian, um, who then quickly leaves for a party. Um, And then they, like, they sit down together, and Alexia comments on Justine's weight specifically saying like you better not be anorexic and that it's gross and justine replies i'm not sick very specifically uses that Mm -hmm. that wording um but alexia says you will be if you keep it up i know what happens and you won't hold up um like implying that she needs to start eating people Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i think that's another interesting thing like they kind of talked about how like Earlier they brought up anorexia, like a monkey wouldn't turn anorexic, um, you know, talking about the weight of that other girl, and then how to be bulimia, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, talking about this, I don't know, it's another, again, another thing where we're just really, really confronted and focused on, like, the our image, mm-hmm. um, our body image. And then after this, we see, like, this is another one of those scenes where I don't think it's, like, literally happening, but Justine is, like, tossing and turning in bed, and we hear, like, chains, like, she's being beat Mm -hmm. with, like, these chains, and she's, like, crying in bed, um, but I take it as, like, metaphorical, like, she's being tormented by this hunger. And she's she's also specifically asking her sister to stop. She's going, Alexia, stop. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's because Alexia's the one who's pressuring her into eating more when she doesn't want to and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but then she ventures down the very beautifully lit hallway and stumbles upon this weird, like, seven minutes in heaven style, like, party where, like, like, someone is painted blue and someone's painted yellow and they, like, can't come out until they're green. Um, of course, Justine doesn't know how to navigate these kinds of situations, but she's obviously kind of, like, getting a taste for, um... Like, she's kind of into it, but, like, not, but she's awkward, doesn't know what to do, and then she ends up biting the guy's lip off, um, Mm -hmm. which, after washing off, Adrian, like, questions her, and, like, if he forced her, like, if she likes him, like, if she was turned on by it, and she's like, well, like, you're not into me, so, like, why are you so worried about those kinds of things, and Mm -hmm. he's just kind of like, I don't know, just want to know how you work. Trying to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but then, um, but then she does leave and she comes back and then she says, it's bad. So, implying that she was aroused, you know. Yeah. And for some reason, I'm guessing just because she was interrupting his little porn session, that he does her the favor of sleeping with her. And it's super awkward. Yeah. And throughout, she's trying to bite him. Like, she's going absolutely rabid. He's very obviously not into that. Um, so then as she climaxes, she bites into herself and, like, draws blood. 
Um, he looks back over his shoulder like he's like, oh. <laughs> um, which again, like calling back to um, one of those films I mentioned earlier, like in, in my skin, like we see like self mutilation offering and like eventually self cannibalism offering some sort of release. Um, so obviously there's something to do with, you know, not just cannibalism, but I think there's something interesting about the fact that it was like a, a self-mutilation that provided the release. Yeah. Obviously, temporary fix because she can't bite down into Adrian. But but then, like, after this, like, they're, like, in class or, like, study hall or something, and they're, like, kind of bickering, and he says, like, I spent 20 years hiding. It's not to fuck girls now. Um, which I thought was interesting. Which I'm like, you're the one who made the choice to sleep with her. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it was another interesting point where... Like, his sexuality is being discussed. But, mm-hmm. but I assume that this encounter helped contribute to, like, really awakening Justine. Like, she really actually, for once, felt, like, climax and, like, bit into herself and yeah. things like that. Um, and then, so that's when we go into this party scene and Justine mm. has that, like, stare. She's just, like, in the back watching everyone. Um, and then she starts to drink, like copious amounts and like stumbling around she's like yeah. staring at everyone's necks like i was just waiting for her to like bite someone like that's I was, what like, i was waiting gosh. i thought this was gonna be like a climactic like <laughs> double man crybaby opening scene i was like oh my god what's happening yeah and then um she runs into alexia and she's obviously like so fucked up she like can't even stand and then we just cut to the next morning actually and just... we see them go down and we she fu- passes out on one of the morgue tables before we see her wake up yeah um but then everyone is like giving justine weird looks and adrian takes her to the bathroom to show her the video like of what happened the night before oh she also sexually assaulted two people at the party that (laughs) night before because she kissed a guy while she was way too wasted and then the girlfriend comes up and goes find someone else so Mm -hmm. she kissed the girlfriend (laughs) so it's definitely obviously seeing her not only exploring it, but also she has no control over it. Yes, yeah, it's just it's, gone crazy. She has no control over her sexual urges, and obviously because she's, like, blackout drunk, she's just going off on everyone, trying to find anyone who will do it with her. Yeah. But then we see the video of what actually happened the night before, and Alexia's, like, taunting Justine with, like, a cadaver. Um, and she's, like, on all fours. She's, like, biting at the hand. Um... And then we get the amazing fight scene where, like, Alexia and Justine, like, take bites out of each other. And they're just, like, the way they're, like, locked onto each other. And, like, it's almost like a, it, like, it's almost like a sweet embrace. Except the fact that they're, like, literally having their teeth sunk into each other. I was gonna say, it's, they're fighting really hard and, like, literally Alexia takes a bite out of Justine's face. Yeah. And, but the fight doesn't settle down until they're literally both biting into each other's arms. Yeah. Like, staring at each other. They both get that release as if they were self-harming themselves. Yeah. And then they stop kind of fighting before people restrain them. Yeah. But it reminded me a lot of, like, pit bull fights. Um, what, literally what my note was, because, like... I was they, just like, they, I love my like pity, but their jaws, like, the jaws locked onto each other, specifically the way pit bull jaws lock onto yeah. things, and then the way the men, because it's like, both men pulling them off, pull them off with ties, like, they're, they're male ties, yeah. and then they're holding them like dogs, and they just... 
it's, yeah. it's wild. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah, it reminded me of, like, fighting dogs. Um, but then back at the dorm, Alexia kind of, like, helps Justine dress the wound. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though they were just fighting, there's this kind of, like, tenderness that they're sharing. Like, like there's this understanding that they know that their relationship is, especially now, like, really complicated. Um, but almost, like, some sort of a mutual understanding of, like... We don't know for sure at this point until later, like, that it's not their fault, quote-unquote, but, like, they're definitely, there's, like, this understanding, like, between them, like, that even though they're fighting, like, that they're not each other's true enemy, Mm -hmm. and that they only really have each other and stuff like that. Um, And Justine thinks of locking Alexia in her room, but she doesn't. Um, And the next morning... That horn sounds, which means that the hazing is officially over, and we see, like, all these students, like, crawling out of whatever shenanigans they were doing the night before, and Justine wakes up next to Adrian's lifeless body, and she's, like, frantic because she, like, thinks that she did it, and she's, like, pleading, like, why he didn't stop her, like, why he didn't fight back, um, and then we discover Alexia almost, like, catatonic with, like, blood all over her mouth. Um, you can tell that she's, like, so upset that Alexia did this, but she doesn't retaliate. She simply just, like, cleans off her sister, like, kind of showing the grace that Alexia didn't show her, like, in that previous party scene. Mm -hmm. Like, almost, like, maybe a bit of growth for Justine, like, Alexia's been trying to, like, help her, quote-unquote, this whole time, and now it's, like, Justine's turn to help her older sister. Yeah. Um. That scene definitely had me confused, because I was definitely like, why is she so catatonic? I know, obviously, murdering someone is traumatic. (laughs) Um, that's not the part that confused me. It's the part (laughs) that she's been hunting people and causing car accidents for months that had me confused, was that I was like, hasn't she killed someone before? Is that not what she does? You know, I was just confused why this specific incident made her catatonic. Like, because it's, I understand that trauma presents in random times, but it was just specifically of like, is this because she knows she's going to get caught because it's not her typical hunting ground? Mm. Or is it because her sister's involved? Is it because she hurt someone her sister was with? It was one of those things where I was only confused because I wanted to know what made her catatonic specifically there is like a level of friendship with her and adrian because they're like playing games and then like in that one scene when she argues with adrian she's like my sister has your number like so i assume that there's like a level of friendship there but also like maybe knowing that what you did hurt justine because justine cares about Mm -hmm. adrian maybe it's also because it was like the murder directly and how much of him was eaten because yeah, he was murdered with a he was murdered with a ski pole and half of his thigh was gone. Yeah. So when she wakes up, thought he was asleep, and then she reached down and felt a shark-sized chunk out of his thigh. Yeah. She, she thought that that's what killed him, and it wasn't until she saw the ski pole injury in the back that she almost went to kill her own sister with the ski pole. Yeah, that's right. So she like killed him first and then started then eating him. It, yeah. So yeah. it's just one of the scenes where I would have loved to have seen like a flashback to the actual incident. I would have yeah. loved to seen who actually stabbed him and why. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be interesting, but... Maybe she saw him laying in bed with her sister and stabbed him. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't... It's the one mystery I have is, <laughs> is 
what actually forced the killing and how did that contribute to her being catatonic? Because I was confused by her catatonic state. Yeah. And, you know, I was just... It's one of those things I would have loved to see. <laughs> yeah. I have questions. But um, but as the movie comes to an end, um, the family is visiting Alexia in prison, and mm-hmm. Justine, like, holds up her cheek scar to the window for, like, Alexia to kiss. <laughs> Interesting. There's a, there's a really good shot right before that um, where you see... Justine and Alexia's reflections mirrored up so well in the glass that it looks like one face. Yeah. And it's like, it's like one, it's one kind of blurry face. And I was like, what am I looking at? And then, and then it, she moves her head and you see it's the reflection. So it's one of those things where I was like, oh, it's like, she also participated in the eating of, so she should also be there. And it's like, it's kind of just one of those things where I was like, oh, they're the same, you know, seeing their faces like that, they're the same. And then, you know, she flips her off with her lack of finger because <laughs> her sister ate it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then back at home, Justine shares a moment with her father and he tells her that it's not your fault. And in this moment, like, we have had such little time with the dad that, like, the scar on his lip becomes more apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kind of, like, talks about Alexia the child and says... Uh, stuff like, I guess she got used to being herself and, like, it's our fault we didn't find a solution. Justine asks what he means and he begins to talk about how their mother was difficult when they met at school, which then he starts to caress his lip scar and then he says, then we had our first kiss and I understood. He also Uh, mentions that um, the mom never had a boyfriend and would always call him her best friend and he was like, how am I your best friend? And he realized that she's, like, a repressed loner. Yeah. And then they had their first kiss, and then he touches his lip scar, and you're like, yeah. oh! Yeah, and so then he unbuttons his shirt, and he shows this, like, magnitude of scars all over his body, and says, I'm sure you'll find a solution, honey. So, again, I think that is, like, that last scene is, like, so intriguing because it kind of... <sighs> I think it's so wild because I think it... Obviously, it recontextualizes the whole movie because now mm. you know that the parents knew. But it's also so wild that the dad, A, not only just offers himself up to his wife like that. Like, yeah. he didn't immediately, like, run away and call the cops when she bit his lip. Yeah. But also that he just kind of looked at his daughter and was like, I don't know what you're going to do. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Like, he literally was just like, oh, shit, dude. He's I don't like, know. Good luck. Damn, that's crazy. Good luck, though. Um, (laughs) but, um, this is another thing I think lends itself to, like, a coming-of-age story, or perhaps, like, perhaps, like, generational trauma. Um, Yeah, because they didn't warn her before going to school. Yeah. They didn't warn her about eating the rabbit and say, hey, don't do that because you might become a cannibal. Yeah. They didn't go, hey, your sister's already a cannibal. Hey, your mom's a cannibal. You know, there's all these things where I'm like, they gave her no warning. So it seems like genetic in a way or passed down specifically from the mother and their solution was to raise the girls vegetarian um to like try to stop their craving from for flesh to like ever like become ignited and to me this is another thing this is why i think it follows like the reading of sexual repression of young women because it reminds me of abstinence so the way like the sexuality of young girls is like either completely ignored 
Um, like, we're not afforded any sort of sexual expression. Like, while boys will be boys, like, that's why, like, lesbian, bisexual, or other, like, women-loving women, like, are often, like, invalidated because it's hard for people to conceptualize female sexuality as something that's not just in service to men, but, like, that's something that women themselves enjoy. Or female sexuality is monstrous, like, American beauty or something where, like, teenage girls are, like, these sirens that, like, tempt the upstanding Mm -hmm. adult men, um, you know, like, why do you have to be so sexy? Like, gosh darn you, minor. Um, but, like, when in reality it's, like, that exact denial that doesn't allow women to explore sexuality, um, or even just, like, in general, like, being taught abstinence and then when you're thrown into the real world like you don't have a way to navigate that like really sex dangerous. <laughs> like yeah. our parents were all teenagers they know what teenagers are gonna do they know that they're gonna have sex or get into whatever kind of antics mm-hmm. but then they close off like their previous lives instead of using their experiences to offer guidance to their children and yeah. then they just expect kids to figure it out and then they're like i can't believe you you made these mistakes even though I could have told you I made the same mistakes and helped you along the way. Yeah. I don't know. It's such a weird thing that, it's, like... Something obvi- that bothers me so much. Obviously, it's something that, like, you know, things that I didn't realize about our parents and stuff mm-hmm. until I got older and realized I was a much better person than they were at, the, at my age. <laughs> I'm like, dang, like, I'm a good kid. Yeah, I was like, oh, I've never done coke. I'm a good kid. You know, like, things like that. And, like, my, I think about my friend specifically growing up. Because she was very repressed, you know, forced to go to church kind of girl. Yeah. And she was always the one begging me to get in trouble. And obviously I always got in trouble because I was the one who wasn't repressed. It's like the more we deny is the more they, like, go out of their way to seek. Yeah. And obviously I'm going to, you know, compare this to to addiction again because that's how I originally interpreted the movie. But, you know, like, like my friend's parents were addicts. They got clean. They got sober. They found God. But then they made their kids so repressed... That yeah. those kids were so desperate to do drugs and do anything that they would have just done anything. And yeah. that's scary. You know what I mean? They didn't, like, all they would go is go, oh, I used to do drugs, but I'm not going to help you navigate it. And it's like, so when I think about the dad being like, we didn't warn you when you went to college. We didn't warn you about all these things. It just makes me think of all the times people who didn't know anything about sex, like sex and sexual yeah. safety have been, you know, sexually assaulted when they got sent off to college or yeah. hurt because they didn't know what situations to navigate. Yeah. Or even just socially, like even aside from sexually, but just like socially navigate. Like people don't know what red flags are when they were forced to not be around people. Yeah. You know? And I think that's like, especially why it's set, um, in like a, pseudo college setting because hazing too. because it's like a very specifically hyper sexual and hyper deviant quote unquote deviant mm-hmm. um setting where it's like a bunch of young adults um getting into a bunch of th- like having access like she has so much access to so much stuff that she did not have access to like uh like people and people uh, meet alcohol like meet. i don't know it's just like there are so many things where like when you're thrown into college or thrown into any social setting outside of the protection of your parents and you were never given the tools to navigate that it's like sad <laughs> like you can't navigate peer pressure if you've never been around people that exp- like that you knew was peer pressure you know what i mean yeah. so i think i think about like the hazing one of my notes i wrote that i totally forgot about was i think that that the hazing and her not denial of it while also still participating 
was kind of my sign that she was susceptible to, like, well, yeah. I wrote susceptible to addiction in my notes, but, like, susceptible to peer pressure, the addiction, and having no self-control yeah. is what it felt like to me. Because the fact that she couldn't say, no, I will not eat this rabbit yes. thing. yeah. And she went later when the nurse asks you, were you forced to eat it? She says no, even though her sister literally put it in her mouth and forced her to. Yeah. She did say no, she didn't force me to, because I still cho- chose to swallow it. And I, I just kind of thought of that as, like, yeah. Which the hazing Adrian being says... a plot device in the movie feels like it was there to show her susceptibleness to not saying no and having yes. no, yeah. like, restraints or boundaries. Yeah, not only was she so strict in the way she was raised, like, the fact that she was raised vegetarian, she doesn't necessarily have a strict concrete identity in that either mm-hmm. so that like anything someone tried to ascribe to a uh, force onto her would be accepted whether it's her parents forcing vegetarianism yeah. or like college kids forcing these rules or mm-hmm. um partiers forcing alcohol or you know like or forcing her to go into a room with a guy like because that's another point where he also asked like did he force you and she's like, well, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like, yeah, it, exactly. It's, like, that, like, the just such a lack of identity and not, so not being able to stand your ground on who you, like, what you want to do based on who you think you are and mm-hmm. things like that. But, but yeah, it's quite the film. But, um, I wanted to get back on the theme of, like, sisterhood because we were doing, we did relatively casual episodes, like, um, with, like, Valentine's Day, but we haven't really, like, gotten into the nitty-gritty of why we've chosen specific films for our exploration of sisterhood. Um, with that being said, do you have any, like, thoughts on the relationship between Alexia and Justine, or, like, this film as not just, like, we just kind of explored, like, the relationship or lack of relationship parents have with their kids, but, like, Specifically, how that translates into the relationship between the sisters. I mean, you can definitely see while you're watching this film that there was a bit of a divide when she didn't live with her sister anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what their childhood was like. We don't know what her sister was yeah. like when she was a vegetarian. But the dad does, at the end of the movie, say that her big sister was always very gung ho about everything and you know, very eccentric, or I don't know yeah, what he like says. she should have been a politician or something. Yeah, he was always saying she was always, you know, full force, is what yeah. he basically says. And so, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't exactly know the age gap, but I know it's not that different from us. Yeah, and if she's, yeah, if she's still in... Yeah, oh, I think she's like a junior, so it's a junior and a freshman, so it's like a couple year difference. Yeah. But it's one of those things where you could tell that, I don't know how they were raised, but there was a gap. Yeah. If there was always the implication that Alexia was more of the rebel, then there was then they were not that close growing up. So it is interesting seeing that this movie is them getting close because when you first start it, it almost feels like a stranger, like she doesn't feel like her sister, yeah. and she doesn't like meet them when they come to drop her off. And, yeah, which and that, then, that's fine to me. It's yeah. just that it's like when she first meets her, the connection they have feels almost like strangers. Like it just felt not sisterly. Yeah. It felt like pe- it felt like people who knew they were sisters but didn't, like, act like sisters. I don't know. It almost kind of reminded me of, like, not us in high school because we were still, like, lived together and it was closer, but it was, like, just in that sort of way where we didn't get close until after we grew up. Yeah, once you're, like, an adult and you're, like, 
have your own identity or your own self figured out, which is, like, what Justine's going through is, like, figuring herself out. Yeah. Um, so I do love that. I love watching them get close together. And it was neat watching it turn from Alexia teaching her to do things to having her help her. But yeah, one of the things I hated... Moment, yeah, but. but one of the things I've hated about it, about their sisterly relationship, I should say, is that is that because of the lack of closeness... Alexia would constantly push her boundaries and I didn't hate like like her forcing her to eat the rabbit kidney yeah. and stuff like that or being constantly mean to her she and kicking very, her out like, of her room. She tough love like kind of like she always said it was like you know like you have to learn or like I'm trying to help you fit in like yeah. it was a very tough love kind of <clears throat> methodology. It was like tough love but it was also this like there's this separation of like I am detached from you so I don't care if I'm hurting you. But also, you're my sister, so I have this, like, duty to, like, do these things for you. It was one yeah. of the things where she's like, I let you in my room, I gave you a dress because I, you're my sister, but also, get the heck out, you're annoying me, and I hate you. Yeah. And so it was, like, weird because it's, like, it's this, I don't know, it's this detachment of, like, if I found out I had a long-lost sister now, yeah. and then, but then because she knew she was my sister, she acted super tough and, like, yeah. I can cross boundaries because you're my sister. It's one of those things where, like, a friend wouldn't do something like that, or roommates and stuff like that, but because she knows she's sisters, she can, she feels she can step past her boundaries, and that's one of the things I didn't like about it. But I do think it shows the the gap that they had. Uh, You know, Justine was always the good kid, quiet, and listened to her parents. Alexia was always the outgoing one who was rebellious and probably ate meat when she was really young. You know, like, there's that gap of, like, how they were raised, despite being clearly from the same household and only a few years apart. Yeah. It's, you could feel it in the movie. You feel the estrangement, that's the word. You could feel the estrangement, despite her going, we're sisters, so I could cross your boundaries. There's still that estrangement, you know? Yeah, so, I noticed that, like, they often try to say they're, like, helping each other, but, like, they have different definitions of what that means. So, like... Mm -hmm. Like, in, like, after their fight, their, like, tender glance towards each other kind of shows me, like I said earlier, like, there's this understanding that's, like, growing between them that there's something wrong with them and it's not their fault. And after being Mm -hmm. wrangled, like, dogs, basically, there's this understanding of, like, whatever sisterly issues they had before, like, they only have each other. And I almost see this, like broken older sister thing going on with Alexia like mm-hmm. like the burden that older sisters have to bear mm-hmm. um like you know in some cases that's like raising their younger siblings or like being the guinea pigs for new new parents so I wonder if maybe it's because Alexia is kind of harboring like she was the first child that had to like find out that like mm-hmm. something's up with them or like who knows what it looked like before Justine was born? Like, you know, like, so I wonder if there's, like, something more to, like, what Alexia had to harbor as the older sibling and then, like, going off into the world first. That, like, because maybe because she feels like she was given tough love and that she had to just figure it out, that she, like, is projecting that back onto mm-hmm. Justine. So it's a kind of, like, a misguided form of help where like people think well like I had to do this so now you have to too you know so it's like yeah yeah it's like because they're very different personality wise and like like the father says about like Justine grow or about uh Alexia growing up it mm-hmm. kind of just gives this implication of like 
she just went through her struggles quietly and happily almost. Like, she was like, oh, yeah, this is my issue. It's no problem. Just get over it. Which so, almost, like, in a way reminds me of our mm-hmm. uh, relationship because of the, like, because the older siblings like, the guinea pig, then they kind of base their continued parenting, like, methods on the outcomes of the older sibling without, like, taking into account that the other sibling is, like, a different human yeah. And that it must be treated accordingly, you know? So, like, the fact that, like, they have such different personalities, but they didn't necessarily nurture them based on their personalities. Yeah. It's, like, I don't... Even taking the parents out of the equation, I just think about, like, how much, like, our lives are affected by outside the world. Yeah. And, like, how much I didn't tell people at home, like, what was going on. Yeah. That I think about, like, oh, she probably harbors this little bit of resentment because she thinks, like oh, well, I had to do this, and I'm fine. Like, which I get to an extent. I think certain people are annoying when they're dramatic about things that I think are, like, like, oh, my God, you have depression? Get over it. (laughs) Not actually, but, you know. Just relax. Just eat people. (laughs) Yeah, just relax. Just eat people, you know, or just, it's just rabbit kidney. Just eat it. Who cares? (laughs) Like, it's her, it's her kind of, like, annoyed... Mm-hmm. at like how normalized she's made these bad things yeah. yeah maybe she's almost like forgotten how hard it was when she did it for like, me it's, i don't even think it's about that it's just that but, like, but it's that just you... that it's like i handled it this way and it's no yeah. big deal you should make it no big deal which i get to an extent i get that exactly. yeah but it's yeah justine's a different person yeah she just didn't i don't think she just had i don't think she had patience with justine she it, it's the I did it this way and I'm fine you need to do it this way so you'll be fine but clearly she was not fine because she ended up in prison and in a catatonic state after murdering someone so yeah. yeah like that's just how I see it is that the way she normalized these bad things she thought they should be normalized for Justine and then she kind of started forcing that onto her yeah so it's interesting when Justine takes the um like takes the reins at the end and she chooses to be nurturing like and wash her sister off and things Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that when she is put in that role she does choose to take a different approach because that's like who she is like I almost see it as in like finding who she is and like maybe if someone else had shown Alexia that kind of grace yeah like would we have gotten to this point yeah because there's that moment where she's holding the ski pole after she finds alexia and she lifts her chin up with it and then she puts it against her forehead and there's a moment where you're like oh she's probably gonna kill her sister for this Mm -hmm. but then she puts it down and cleans her off and it's one of those things where i'm like i take that as like her going well this is what alexia would do this is what you would do but i'm not you and then puts it down and takes care of her and i think that's what i like about it yeah that was like one of the first times she took like action like even though it was like by not doing something she was doing something it was because still her doing the something. whole time she was doing what other people were telling her and that mm-hmm. was the first time she like firmly made her own decision about what to do it's very much the anime moment where the guy's <laughs> holding a sword and it's like kill me and you're it's in the moment in avatar where ang could totally kill the fire lord <laughs> and they're like do it and he goes no, I'm not that person. Yeah. That's what this moment is. Yeah. It's the, I could do this because that's what everyone wants me to do. That's what you would want me to do. That's what I should do. But that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Which is really, like, meaningful when we consider, like, the arc 
like that Justine took throughout the course of the film that mm-hmm. like we we got to like if you think of it as coming of age or like a exploration of identity like where she's finally found herself yeah she had someone to help her through it her sister guided her and she didn't end up like her sister yeah hopefully she'll find a, a husband to a husband that'll consensually let her eat him i don't yeah. know <laughs> well um do you have any other last minute thoughts on the film I just want to say that the graphics were so good. <laughs> they were not graphics, but the visual effects. Because there, I forgot how good it was. Like it's there were times so where I was like, "Oh, like when she's eating, eating the finger." I'm sitting mm-hmm. there going, "Oh, that looks way more real than I thought." Ooh, stop nibbling on yeah. it like that. And then, you know, when you see Adrian's leg with the giant chuck a chunk yeah. out of it, I was like, "Listen, I'm not saying the director ate somebody." <laughs> But, but they must have done a crazy amount of research to know what this looks like accurately. Maybe yeah. not the director, but the visual artist. Yeah. Because I look at that and I'm like, how did you know exactly where the bones would lay? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously I know we do know because there's research, but I'm just saying that that person had to do too much research. Yeah, I guess big and shout I hope out they to have, whoever worked on it. Yeah, I hope they're effects. in therapy. Um, yeah, I, I hope have, they get paid a lot. <laughs> yeah, I have, um, in listening to interviews with, like, not specifically on this film, but, like, other effects artists in general who you know make some disturbing stuff like having to look at a lot of like crime scene and like medical like cadaver like having to look at a lot of like real stuff in order to know how to make something look real Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um yeah also I guess I forgot to ask um I think I remember but was the time that we watched it with mom and dad like was that your first time watching yes, it? Yes, that was my first time watching it, yeah. Yeah, okay, I couldn't remember. So this is your second time? Technically third, because I, I did watch it halfway, and then my boyfriend came home, and I did not want to spoil the movie for him. <laughs> he was like, you're going to spoil a movie in a foreign language? And I'm like, a foreign language that you know? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, I forgot I speak French. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to dive into more, like, French, or, like, do a new French extremity or, like, cannibalism month or something. Traumatize my boyfriend with more martyr because he's been wanting to watch that with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can... That'll definitely be fun. But, um, that wraps up our thoughts on Julia DeCorno's masterpiece, Raw. Hopefully in the future we will cover, uh, her sophomore film. And hopefully in the future we will get more julia de corno films so we can cover more because i absolutely love love her work um and with that next week we will continue uh and conclude our theme of sisterhood uh stay tuned for the reveal of that film and also the reveal of next month's theme and until next time